and astrologers. Coming to you live from the middle of the Middle West in Chicago, Illinois, and from the beautiful Pacific Northwest in Tacoma, Washington. I'm Kip from Rudomania Astrology, and with me is Kelsey from Chicago. Say hi, Kelsey. Hi. Yay. Kelsey is one of my favorite people in the world. She is a, a bosom buddy during astro conventions, and I love communicating her with her whenever I get the chance. Kelsey's one of those people who's cooler than me because she's younger than me, but she's also cooler than me because she's cooler than me. I like to uh, move around with her and soak up that coolness. Kelsey has done so much awesome stuff, and we're going to launch into a bunch of it. But before we do that, we're going to find out a little bit about Kelsey. So, Kelsey, um, who are you? Where are you from? Oh, my gosh, Kip. That was the best way I've ever been introduced in my life. Thank you Aww. for that. I've been having, like, a a little bit of a difficult couple of days self-worth-wise. So that was, like, perfect. I feel on top of my game again. Um, I'm Kelsey. I live in Chicago. I've lived here for 12 years, just about 12 years on the dot. I come originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I moved to Chicago to study music education and I taught music full time for a while, which feels like a really important piece of my path, although I don't know exactly why yet. I know it was. And um, recently have been spending most of my time working on opening and sustaining a nonprofit organization here in Chicago called InnerSense Healing Arts Collective. We're a community center for healing arts and wellness. Um, and we have actually, I'm gonna say our mission statement because we just redid it and it feels Yay. real good. And I feel like reciting our mission statement is better than me trying to give my elevator pitch, which I still haven't solidified yet. So our mission, um, is that we're a nonprofit organization focused on fostering self-reflective practices within disempowered populations in effort to build a restored and engaged community. Wow. Yeah. So we're taking on a lot. Um, we do that through offering a lot of programming. We have like 30 classes a week on average, plus a lot of monthly stuff and one-time stuff. Um, in yoga, we have astrology meetups. We have a weekly tarot class. Reiki shares, sound healing, there's some dance movement therapy, um, dream yoga, lots more that I'll, oh, I teach a community choir class out of there. Lots of cool stuff. So the last like three years of my life has been largely dedicated to opening that space, which is now open. And in the meantime, I've become um, a Reiki master and I've also really deepened my practice of astrology, which started shortly before beginning InnerSense. Um, and so I'm now kind of on this precipice of like, I just left the teaching world for real less than a month ago, um, the public education teaching world. And now I'm kind of doing astrology and InnerSense and Reiki and following my dreams. So how does InnerSense work? So I'm assuming it's set up as a nonprofit. Do you guys have like a board? Do you do fundraising? Do people yeah. Like pay a small amount to attend classes? How, how is it set up? Yeah, so we're, we incorporated as an LLC originally like three years ago, two and a half years ago maybe, and then reincorporated at some point in 2018 as a nonprofit. And we just recently, it took like over a year to get our 501c3 status from the IRS, and we just got that in April, so that's a really big deal. Amazing. So, 
Yeah. Um, we had opened in October of 2018, and so we were basically functioning as a non, well, we were a nonprofit by title, but we weren't able to really leverage our nonprofit incorporation status without that 501c3 for the whole first, I think it was like eight months or nine months that we opened, because we opened doors in October uh, of 2018. And so now we're kind of in this phase where we're just starting to learn a lot and practice as an actual nonprofit. So we have um, our big, our first fundraiser, which we're, is also serving as our one year anniversary since opening this October. We have some really lofty goals with raising money for that. Um, we do have a board, so there's no ownership. There's four of us that co-founded it. There were five co-founders originally, but four of us that are still actively involved. And we are the governing board of the organization. And with nonprofits, there's like, usually you're starting up unless you have a lot of in a lot that's been invested you're starting up with what's called a working board versus a governing board where the board is the people doing all of the work as well as the governing and so we're trying to transition towards a governing board which looks like bringing more people on the board than the founding staff and also having paid positions that are either separate from or overlapping with the board or both um so that there's like the people making the decisions and taking care of the financial well-being of the organization in one pool and then there's also a pool of people that are getting paid some extent to actually do the work of keeping it going on a day-to-day -day basis so we're sort of in an in-between there um, but yes we do charge money for our programming we have a tiered pricing system and no one will be turned away for lack of funds policy so um, every event that we offer and every class that we offer and every membership that we offer, you can choose out of three prices, um, which has been kind of an experiment that we've been working on. Um, 12 is our lowest, 17 middle and 22 is the highest. So we just ask people to pay what feels appropriate of value to them, but also what is comfortable to them. And kind of what we've discovered is that um, it almost works. <laughs> Like we're almost, it's almost sustainable this way, but it doesn't make space for growth and it doesn't make space for us to move into the next steps of our mission. And it doesn't, it's not entirely sustainable because we're still not paying ourselves much, if anything, to do the actual daily work, which like needs to be a full-time job or two. So that's kind of where we are right now is just like jumping into the, leveraging the 501c3 and kind of hoping and expecting that that will that will be the piece that makes it more sustainable now that we can finally solicit donations and fundraise and write for grants and stuff like that. So full disclosure, um, I worked for nonprofits for a lot of my early adulthood, uh, including two years in AmeriCorps, which was kind of a, a two year long um, traipse through numerous nonprofits all yeah, throughout the country. I know about um, AmeriCorps. Sweet. Um, it's my fave. <laughs> um, so this this is where these questions are coming so you, you yeah, talked about grant writing which of course is foundational like a lot of nonprofits have dedicated staff that only write grants right um, but have you tried to partner with some other foundations that just have deep pockets and want to uh you know help do-gooders yeah that's like literally the exact place that we're in right now like we just finished getting together a packet a sponsorship packet that says 
who we are and why people should support us and what the money goes towards and what we're already doing. It's like very polished and beautiful and just started sending that out. Like this week I sent my first two emails soliciting sponsorships. They both came back with a no. So it was <laughs> <laughs> I bet they were really polite no's though. Yeah. Starbucks said, no, I'm going to publicly shame them. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and TCF bank, the, the bank that we bank with here in Chicago. I am a, I am really near Seattle, but that's okay. We all publicly shame Starbucks, just like we yeah. all publicly shame Amazon. Right. No, <laughs> I don't Amazon. Maybe I will. Do it. They have the deepest pockets of them all, and it would be nice to jangle sure. some of that free. Yeah, but it's definitely like a, and you know this if you've worked in the nonprofit world, it's like a energy and time lack, you know? Like we, we're, we've been learning these last three years and are continuing to learn what are the things we need to do, but it's like, when do we do those things on top of like running the space and having the jobs that pay the money? So lately my mind's been in a place, and I think a lot of the co-founders have been in a similar space of like, how can we create more capacity for the work that needs to be done? Um, both within the organization and to grow the organization through bringing more people in and through having more communal ownership over the mission rather than the money itself. Because I think the steps it takes to get to more funding require, of course, more energy that isn't, doesn't exist within just the four of us at this moment. <laughs> Another issue here is that this is really a Sagittarius pursuit, right? Higher ideals. Um, yeah. You're, you're trying to um, create your truth out of kind of whole cloth. You see it, it's going to get there. Um, and it's not, it's, so it's very Jupiterian and not very Saturnian in design. But of course, uh, to get things accomplished and make them permanent, you need that Saturn, you need that Capricorn. Um, right. So it can be, you know, once the rubber hits the road, um, and as we all know, you know, those two signs don't see each other, they're neighbors. Right. Um, and while you often um, follow that path, you go from Sagittarius to Capricorn. Um, when the effort starts, you don't necessarily, um, you're not paying as much of attention to, um, to where the process is headed. And then you get to Capricorn, you're like, whoa, time to buckle down. Totally. Yeah, I think building this has been a big part of my Saturn and Capricorn return for sure. Like, I've had a couple astrologer friends bring that up to me like, oh, you definitely are working with Saturn. You're building a whole fucking like structure organization. Um, that is really concerned with, and I have that 89er Cap Stellum, Uranus, Neptune, um, Saturn, is really concerned with finding like a revolutionary way of using, of incorporating, because we have to, money and capitalism into the healing arts realm, which that was like a definite um, agreement and like core uh, intention and realization of the founding group was like, we all came from a yoga studio, which our space is not a yoga studio, but that was our beginnings. We all came from a yoga studio where the five of us were some combination of like teacher manager or student manager in the space for years. And it just wasn't working for lots of reasons. But one of them was like, this feels wrong. Like yoga within capitalism feels weird. And so that was a definite part like an impetus for this organization's birth was trying to find a way to do it that felt a little bit more aligned with what yoga is and what spirituality is and what people within people who are you know 
actively seeking spiritual transformation, what, what fits within their means and their intentions. And like, it's hard. And it's still hard in the way that we're doing it. It's not like, oh, we're a nonprofit. It's there we go. That's the answer. But it does feel a little bit more aligned because there is this emphasis on like leaning on the community and transparency and building it together that feels different and better. I um I love that, especially the um the Neptune Uranus in Capricorn generation. I love millennials. Um, Fox News hates them, so I guess I'm forced to love them. Um, but I, I really think that a lot of the recent emergence of astrology in culture has to do with that pretty wide generation of people who, whether you're using just Capricorn as the marker or just maybe like a, you know, a 10 degree, I know um, Harness uses like a 15 degree um, arc for that conjunction of the outer planets. But if that was really a long period of time, almost a decade, where we had Neptune, um, you know, the, the void, the, um, the breaking down of boundaries. Um, some modern astrologers talk about Neptune as those deep strands of spirituality. And then you have Uranus, um, individuation, disruption um, together. And really, you see this generation of people who are saying, um, we're taking Capricorn, this place of structure of business of the past we're going to recreate it in our image and it's going to have threads of spirituality of the other of this realm that you can't quite wrap your hands around and that's going to be integrated in what we're building um and i just think it's amazing and awesome um and i just it's you're you're describing it you know in real terms yeah well you know it's interesting i'm going to say the two things i want to comment on so that i hopefully don't forget but one is when you throw saturn in the mix i'll come back to that but it's interesting because astrology is new-ish to me like it was four-ish years ago that someone first did my chart and i was like oh i'm more than aries okay whoa and then it's just been like exponential obsession since then every day um but it's interesting because everything you're saying and everything i keep hearing about you know, our generation astrologically and then also the cap stellium is like i still even though i understand astrology way better than i did four years ago i still understand that concept and that feeling more like intuitively than i do in astrology so it's so interesting to hear you talk about it and like i'm just constantly like adding on to my understanding of what that cap what those capricorn placements are but it's just adding on to this like already this thing I've already been living my whole life. That's like a dissatisfaction, you know, like it's an obvious there. Are, there's an obvious problem here, y'all. That's like a thing I've been feeling my whole life. And it's cool. It's cool to keep continuing to see that in the chart and see people's takes on it in the chart. It gives me a lot of hope, too. And so then throwing Saturn in the mix, like everything you're saying about we're going to change this, we're going to make it better. It's like the Saturn cap people, at least this is a way that I've been pumping myself up and making me feel more hopeful is like, has the discipline needed to get it done. Ooh, so I like that. I've been getting, I've been feeling lately, like everyone, all my Saturn and cap buddies who were all just sort of like, we're feeling Saturn right now. And we're just like, we're doing okay, I think, you know, but it's hard. Like it's a definite period of like trial and discipline for me and a lot of people that I know. 
And so I keep telling myself that like, just wait world, just wait till we're on the other side of the Saturn return and like the shit we're gonna come at you with world to fix shit. <laughs> I love the idea that, um, that you're using Saturn for optimism. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I'm a Sag rising? <laughs> with the moon in there too. So it's like right down in your guts. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your Saturn return. That was kind of lower on our list of things to talk about, but we brought it up, so. Ugh, how can you not? It's just always there, right there in my head. So this is um, one of the ways I like to talk about the Saturn returns, it works even better in the Midwest, is, <laughs> um, is ice skating. I'm sure you know how to ice skate. You grew up in Ohio. Mm-hmm. I didn't no, know that was a Midwestern thing, but yes. They don't, I mean, Arizona doesn't have ice, so unless um, you got signed up for ice time. Uh, and the reason that I like um, ice skating better than roller skating is because like an outdoor ice rink actually has different spots on it. Um, you know, they're maintained and depending on how dedicated the volunteer is, sometimes they're really nice, but oftentimes, I mean, they can be slanty. And so think of that, think of a slanty ice rink. Think of an ice rink where one side is like a full two feet below the other. We're, we're gonna make it really obvious. We'll, we'll say a, a, a yard, you know, three feet lower. When you're on the top and you're coming down, it's very easy. You know, you have all the momentum, it's pushing behind you. But when you're on the other side, you're having to really work to get back to the top of that ice rink. Mm. That's to me, Saturn, having to work the place where effort is required to get through. And if you don't put in that effort, you're going to slide backwards. Yeah. Um, if you're not strong enough, you're not going to be able to get up there. But if you keep skating, if you keep doing your Saturn work, you're going to be far stronger. You're going to reap the benefits of those downhills because of the power you've developed, the understanding of how ice works. You've had to interact with your field and your area in a more vigorous and, uh, and thoughtful and efforting manner. Um, and so that sad return to me is really um, when someone understands that the ice is where the ice has been slanted. Um, it's it's right in their face, and in some cases, once they enter that period of time, they're worn down from this uh, consistent going through. They really like the down, and the up is getting annoying. And but there's no choice. There's no choice but to do it. And once a person gets through that time of return, if they keep that effort up, then they start to appreciate the fact um, that that's where their ice rink has been slanted. That those are the skills they've developed. You know, that they get through and they're a fully formed adult. Um, I really think that the Saturn return is a perfect uh, encapsulation of the rise to adulthood. We've, there's some sociology just came out that people um, are, are adults when they're 30. Um, there's all this, um, this research about how people feel, about how they interact with the world, and it's not new. <laughs> this, this, this is a longstanding research. And I just, uh, I really, I, I think it's especially acute for your generation, considering the giant pylon in Capricorn right now. And I, I know a ton of people going through their Saturn return as we speak, uh, mm -hmm. and they're all just blossoming in a lot of ways. Yeah. And of course, because I am into astrology, I know a lot of astrologers going through their Saturn return. So um, you've, you've really laid out uh, where your, your ice rink is slanty, and you kind of made it for yourself. Um, you started a really cool nonprofit. You've 
quit your other um, jobs. What, where, what other places in your life have you seen this increase of responsibility, this understanding that you're the builder, that when efforts put in there's something stable and substantive that comes out on the other end? Yeah, I really love everything you just said. It feels very healing for me. It's like so helpful to talk about the Saturn return in the midst of it and just be reminded that the, the work that's being asked of me right now is for a reason. Um, so thank you for that. And I'll, I'll answer your question in a second, but also just wanna like give a moment of gratitude to astrology in general, because you said something about like, you know, all these astrologers going through their Saturn return right now and they're really blossoming. And I've just been feeling like, wow, thank God I found astrology before this period of time because there is something about the awareness that this challenge is the challenge that is correct for me, that is timely for me right now, that makes it so much easier to be with and to work through. And I wonder how much you're seeing so many people that you know that are astrologers having their Saturn return blossom is because we're like, we're like comfortable facing it because we have the, the mm, assurance of the stars telling us, yeah, face, face some of your shit right now. Face some of these battles right now. That's what this time is for. Kind of that, oh, it's time for me to be responsible, I guess. And I right. guess that's what, yeah. No, actually, I'm not necessarily supposed to be getting married, having kids and buying a house right now. I'm supposed to be learning how to do the second house better. Um, and yeah, also something that you were saying about, um, I can't remember the words you used, but just this idea of like, you're better at it when you get on the other side of it because you're forced to work so hard from it. That's definitely been a way that I've been sitting with Saturn for these past couple years and I'm, a, I'm currently finishing up a year-long program at the Portland School of Astrology that I do remotely from Chicago, and my teachers there, um, J.P. Hawthorne and Rhea Wolf, they, the way that they frame Saturn, which is not different from how I've learned it, but is maybe a little more succinct than I'd heard it before then, is that Saturn wants us to learn mastery. He wants us to become very excellent at something, but he makes it really hard for us to do that, but that that's the ultimate goal. So thinking about it that way has been really helpful. And the ways that I've seen it manifest for me, besides building the organization, which honestly for me, that feels like more something I'm told about my Saturn return than something that feels really internalized for me. The ways that feel really internalized for me are um, really just like right and disciplined use of money and my mindset about money and spending and saving. Um, and then time as well. Lately, I've been really exploring time as a resource, like as a second house thing, and realizing that no matter what I change in my external circumstances, I keep feeling like I don't have enough time and learning, like that's been a theme for me the last couple of weeks. Like I quit my job on the lunar eclipse. I have a lot of jobs, but I quit the most steady one on the lunar eclipse. And then I'm my own boss entirely right now. The ways I'm making money are through um, a little bit through inner sense where I'm completely in charge of like how much work I'm doing and how much time I'm putting into it. A little bit through astrology, a little bit through teaching voice lessons and then like helping some people, some like yoga teachers with social media and stuff like that. 
And I realized that even though I keep making all these changes to like sixth house stuff, like who am I obligated to? What are my duties? I still keep like ending up without days off for weeks at a time. And I'm like, what? So it's an internal thing that I need to work on. So that's been like a recent, a recent thing that I've added to the things that I'm mastering and getting disciplined about just within the last month or so has been time as a resource. But then the whole Saturn return, and even before the Saturn return, a lot of what I've been learning has been like, if I want to live a life according to my values, which I really do, which was ultimately why I realized I wouldn't be able to be a full-time music teacher for my whole life, which I thought I was going to do, I have to get really good and intentional with money so that I can make sure I'm making choices with my money, which at times may be limited, (laughs) that are aligned and that do allow me to prioritize what I want to prioritize rather than what I'm told I need to prioritize. So I've been just like, I've gotten really intense about budgeting (laughs) and like really objective about looking at what comes in and what goes out. And I have a system that I use with my partner where we track every single purchase that we make period. And I've been doing that for two years. So that to me is the most like literal, literal way that the Saturn return is manifested. And I have, I was thinking to myself, I haven't really been thinking this as much lately, but I remember when I first started this and like noticed the shifts that it was making in my psyche around my relationship to money, which was just making, it was a healthier, it's much healthier relationship, but also a much more disciplined one. Um, I, I keep thinking like when I do make a lot of money again one day, I'm going to be so good at, at using it because I, pre- previous to my Saturn return, my partner and I were both full-time music teachers, which neither of us are anymore, but so we were making like teacher salaries. It wasn't a ton of money, you know, but it's like a lot more money than we're making now, but it didn't feel like we had it because I wasn't using it intentionally and I wasn't using it with discipline and being mindful about it. So that's a lot of rambling on, but money and time and learning how to use them more wisely and be more disciplined about them. Well, so we have uh, the second house, which is where your Saturn return is taking place in Capricorn. And then we have the sixth house and they trine each other. They trine each other for a reason. Um, You know, your magical backpack, your resources get filled up with that daily labor and where you put in your effort, the sixth house. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's talk about the other house they trine, which is your 10th house where you're most apparent to the world. Yeah. So you're teaching more in a public scene, right? At InnerSense. Um, it sounds like you're reaching out to the community, to uh, foundations to ask for support for InnerSense. Um, but you also started a podcast. And I wanted to talk to you about that. So I'm going <laughs> to, I believe it's called Saggy Moons. I've never uh, heard it said out loud. It could also be pronounced Saggy Moons, which I think yes. is kind of we pronounce saggy. Oh, saggy. Oh. The moons, they sag. Um, very clever. Um, I, I'm assuming there's like a little wink and a nod to other things that the moon and cancer can represent as well. Sure. Um, <laughs> I think it's fun. I love, uh, I love wordplay. Um, <laughs> I just, as someone who, you know, is on recording episode 52 or 53 of a podcast, oh, wow. uh, wanted to talk to you about um, the impetus to start one up. You know, there's a bunch of Astro Twitter now, people that we've met and love who are, you know, dipping their foot in the water. What, what encouraged you to start a podcast? Yeah, I like, 
The only reason that I wanted to start a podcast was specifically because of my friend that I do it with, who her name is Jeanette M. Gomes, and she is also an astrologer and a Reiki practitioner and like a psychic and just like when I first met her was this like total totally otherworldly being to me who I would either depending on what we were talking about and what state of mind I was in and I've told her this before she knows this I would either look at her and be like you're so magical I have so much to learn from you or like who the hell are you what is happening right now what planet do you live on and as I got more engaged with astrology and more engaged with um, energy and my psychic abilities I was more and more closer to being on her level. I would not say I'm on her level now. Um, and we would get like, our relationship is basically built on just like being together every now and then for a couple hours and like going really deep. And our conversations were always really helpful for me in a lot of ways. And I learned a lot from them. And so the impetus for the podcast was basically me being like, let's record these sometime and turn them into a podcast. Cause there's so much that we talk about that I do kind of see my role in the world and in the circles that I'm in as being sort of a bridge from the practical physical realm into the esoteric because I did not come into this world with an understanding of things magical and things spiritual. And it wasn't until my like early 20s that I even started to go there through a yoga practice, which is still very like conventionally accepted and understood and then it just keeps getting deeper and deeper but I have so many friends and close people that like they were brought up on this stuff and like they were they knew it as newborn babies they like had a, a felt sense of it this is like my understanding of this is like water versus fire like I'm a super fiery person my chart is hella fire Aries Sag Sag Sun Moon and Rising and so I have these very fiery realizations it, as I'm learning and as I'm growing spiritually, but I have so many watery people in my life who I go up to them and I'm like, oh my God, did you know fractals? Oh my God, did you know astrology? And they're just like, yeah, I knew, I've always known. So that's been an interesting thing to watch. But I think because I have, like my past was not understanding or being open to so much of this stuff that I definitely see my role as being a person that helps other people, helps it feel accessible to other people um, and, uh, helps maybe in some really small way legitimize it. Although that doesn't feel like the right word because it's not what I'm trying to do, but maybe that just stick with makes it feel more accessible feels better. But so that's kind of how I see what Jeanette and I are doing with the podcast is she's just like tapping in and channeling all of this information. And I'm like, can, okay, let's break that down into words that humans in this plane can understand is <laughs> what it feels like. Uh, I, I try to work on that too, but it's more like my overeducation and my all my Virgo Virgoness. Like, no, 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 shorter sentences, smaller words. Mm. Well, I find you very easy to understand, but oh. I have South Node in Virgo, so maybe that's part of it. Um, I also think just like it's this is another thing I've been working on that the podcast has been helping me through that I didn't realize would be a lesson of the podcast is I'm also a pretty fifth house heavy person and like expressing myself is really important to my state of well-being but I had previously had and I think it's something I'm going to be working through my whole life 
to some extent, like a pretty strong need for external validation and external affirmation, which we all have, but I would say that I struggle from it. It's one of my greater struggles has been. And so the podcast has been one of the ways I've been being able to practice, like just putting it out there and not over obsessing about what it is that I'm saying or how people are perceiving me. I think that's a South note in the 10th house thing too. <clears throat> that makes sense. You also that, you know, the sun likes to shine. The sun rules Leo for a reason. And you have the sun exalted in your house of creativity and play and children. So mm -hmm. the sun, the sun needs, like it is attention. <laughs> yeah. you know, the sun comes out, it's light. You see the sun. That makes yeah. sense. Um, you also were a performer. So I know it's so weird that I'm just now starting to think of myself as like a creative expressive person when I've been like singing on stage since I was eight, but I never identified that way. Strange. This was one of my favorite parts of first meeting Kelsey and we met at UAC and spent basically the whole uh, conference together. I, I would just say something offhanded and it, you could see the wheels turn. <laughs> That's my chart and she'd get all excited. <laughs> Yeah, I was like just starting. It's crazy looking back because UAC wasn't that long ago, but I was just starting to really understand my chart then. Like I remember being at UAC and I didn't even have my chart memorized yet. It was like scary and hard because everyone was like, my blah, 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 my blah. And I was like, oh, I got to check. But yeah, it was, that was such a, it was such a crazy experience for me because it was like, yeah, realization after realization after realization about my own chart. I think it really, it was a definite turning point in my astrology, my life as an astrologer. It's funny because your next step will be to not pay attention to your chart anymore. Um, <laughs> like I don't ever think about my chart except for a couple specific um, points. Um, so stuff that's around 20 degrees tends to hit uh, my natal Saturn or my natal Venus or my natal Sun. So if I notice a big planet uh, transiting those areas, then I then I think about it. Um, otherwise, I tend to just think about how the planets move around. And I'm telling you that you know when I first started astrology, kind of a, a Jupiter cycle ago, like everything was my chart. It had it had right. nothing to do with with the rest of the sky. Right. Or if it did, it was only based on you know, how my chart, you, I think you kind of have to really internalize it, at least that's how I went through it. Um, but for example, I had Saturn um, transiting my, or I'm sorry, Mars transiting my natal Saturn yesterday. And man, the last three days have just been brutal. Um, and it's still just as helpful as it was, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years ago to understand that's coming and be able to roll with the punches and to a certain extent say, this is a day where I have to take my medicine. Um, and just, just be able to appreciate that it's coming. Yeah. Uh, and man, that's a hard one to, uh, you know, I, I guess I could have really um, spent more time thinking about how I could uh, offset it. So I know that in um, some joy tish practices, which are becoming more popular uh, amongst at least Astro Twitter, uh, and some, you know, people who are integrating different types of astrology together, I suppose I could have found um, a place to donate money. So uh, Saturn, uh, Mars, maybe to the fire station or uh, a, a, the battered women's shelter is very popular. Um, so that's, a, you know, a good one um, for Mars related issues, although there isn't much feminine. <clears throat> I suppose uh, Venus is co-present. 
the point being that what I tried to do was just find a really intense book on tape and listen to it when I could yeah. during the day. Um, sort of just take all that stuff and like um, just feel the feels. Um, yeah. I hope it helped. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm just at the point where I'm, it, it wasn't until after Norwalk this year um, in late May. So this past summer has been the first period of time where I've been actually really checking in with transits like up until then I had this idea of wanting to be able to do that but it, it didn't feel attainable and since coming back from Norwalk the thing that really helped me start to be able to do that naturally without depending on other people telling me what was going on was I started drawing charts like every morning or most morning just of like what's happening in the sky right now which helped me to just stay more aware of where stuff is and also the me the reason I started doing it was because I wanted to be able to see aspects in the chart faster mm -hmm. this totally works like I, I now can look at a chart and find them immediately but I wasn't able to do that until like this summer when I started drawing charts a bunch but if that feels like the next level that I'm that I'm in with astrology is like now becoming both intellectually and like energetically attuned to be able to notice what's happening in the sky and how it's impacting me. And uh, yeah, there's a whole, there's a lot of power in that awareness too. But I don't know, I never, I never imagined that I would be like done exploring my own natal chart, like moment. You, you won't, um, but you just pay, there's so much else to apply astrology to. Yeah. It's literally limitless. Right. That um, at some point you're, you're satiated uh, with your own chart, if not your own being. Yeah, um, at least for moments. Do you have solar fire yet? I have astro gold. That's what I. Oh, been okay. Doing. Yeah, so, which I got at Norwalk. Once you can go backwards and look at transits. Right. And see how those transits affected you. Um, you know that really that deepens your understanding, but it also sort of makes what's coming less um intense like oh well i've been through this two times or i've been through this you know 50 times if it's a mars transit whatever um i guess not 50 unless you're 100 um but you get what i'm saying yeah 50. um i that's and i love doing that in consultation um is oh well this is coming let's see what happened the last two times that's really a lot of times when people have the aha moment like oh my like you said a lot of interesting stuff that i guess i could have found in a book but now i'm watching you know the planet yeah. go backwards and like wow that was like a month of my life that you just brought up yeah i haven't been able to to have like an authentic urge to do to go back and look at the past i'm such a future oriented person i don't know i think i mean i guess you could associate that with both my aries stuff and my sag stuff but i'm just oh, like, yeah. always ahead always ahead and i don't have a very good memory which is a sentence i've been trying to stop saying so that i can stop perpetuating it but i haven't found the right way to rephrase it yet so i don't know what that would look like for me to like to go back and try to identify when some of these harder transits and periods would have been and try to remember what was happening. Like that would just take some serious research on my part that I haven't had the patience for yet, but I, it does sound like it would be really useful. It's it, not, well, I mean, there are limitations to uh, solar fire, but it's not hard. It's, 
um, especially to go backwards. It's just click, click, click. Um, well, I'm thinking more like going backwards in my own memory. Ah, and yeah. Being mm -hmm. able to remember what that time felt like and remember, like I can look back and think when were some challenging events of my childhood and my teenage years, but I, I don't have the dates on them. I bet that if you did it through transits, you suddenly would be like, oh my God, that's gotta be then. Yeah, like start with the transit and then, It's yeah. Start with Saturn, like go to your first Saturn square, which you'll probably be like, oh, um, I moved, or that's when a big solidifying you know event. I think I actually know exactly what my first Saturn square was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know mine. Holy shit, Kip. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was when my dad went to jail. That would make perfect sense. That would make perfect sense. Damn, and my dad has the same Saturn placement as me. That, wow. So his, his, uh, he had, that's a big square. <laughs> yeah, it is. Damn. Cool. Well, this is, this is the, the impetus, the inspiration I needed, I think, to go do that work that I've been, for some reason, not that excited about, that I now am very excited about. It, it's exciting and it also is affirming. Um, you know, I, some of my biggest aha moments have been working with clients and, and going back uh, to specific dates and just being like, wow, like you can't make up that that, that happened exactly when Saturn was conjoined your son. In the sixth right. Time. Like there's no, there's no way to, uh, there's, there's no making that up. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up right now too, like affirming and you can't make that up because I feel like I've hit one of my first moments since diving into astrology where I, for some reason, have been feeling insecure about it. I think it's because I've started doing consultations. I know that that's why, you know, but I had no need this whole time. Like the moment, as soon as someone did my chart and said, you're a Sag moon and rising, and I had that to go off of instead of just Aries. It all made perfect sense to me, and I had never doubted it since that moment. But um, it would be nice. I like I think I'm in a place in my astrology study and practice where it would be nice to go get a little bit more to solidify my my belief in it because I believe in it wholeheartedly, but I I can't always articulate for myself or for other people in like moments of hesitation why. And maybe as a saggy person, that's important to me being able to contextualize the why even if, it, even if it just means like having more of my life um within the like understanding more of my life and my past within the structure of astrology it's funny that you bring that up because uh matthew williams on twitter set up that uh astrology exchange the reading exchange yeah um which i joined in a lot of ways just to set it apart time to discourse with people into astrology, it turned out that two of the people that I exchanged readings with were really new to giving readings. Um, mm. One young lady uh, from Oregon, both of them were incredibly nice because of course they're astro folks. It's like yes. talking to a cousin. Mm -hmm. you the best people. Oh, the best. Um, and she was really uh, adroit, astute, whatever you want to say, with tarot, but she hadn't done that much with astrology. And she actually, um, used the uh, Deccans a lot um, and applied kind of uh, some of the tarot symbolism as she went through. Um, 
just felt nervous about doing it. And so one thing, doing it and being confident, like this is my stuff and it works is important. Uh, but also sometimes when you haven't given readings before, you just haven't found your voice. Right. Um, so for me, I still struggle at times to do sun, moon, rising, because what I really like to do is go through the houses. I find the houses so rich and meaningful. And I've then um, done events where I'm just giving people like 15 minutes or whatever. And at those, I'm like, well, you, based on this chart, uh, if you're just letting me pick, we're going to talk about your ascending um, or we're going to talk about your moon. Um, and I think that that was really helpful for me in in get in understanding that that people consume the information differently so you say right. learning my sun moon rising was really important to me but i think that there's a middle ground i think that you need to figure out how you're most comfortable communicating the information um, so that you can be effective but but they're also the person has to be able to consume it for me that's kind of the, the art of turning the chart into a story so I'm going to emphasize, if this is your first reading, um, the sun, moon, rising. I'm going to make sure that when I get to your sun sign, you're going to hear the full story of Taurus. Um, because your whole life, you've known you're a Taurus. I'm going to explain why this is a night chart, and the moon um, is really a vital part of your chart. And I'm going to give you, you know, the full text of, of Gemini, right? Um, but... I do my best to incorporate it in the way that I feel most comfortable I'm delineating a chart, which is really going through the houses and, and digging into how it all connects together. That's not the case for everyone. And I wouldn't even encourage people to try to do it that way. My point is um, you're going to find your voice. Like you're a magnificent person who gets astrology. It's just a, it's a give and take until you, and yeah. I, I'm not even saying I'm, you know, like, I haven't been giving consultations for 40 years. Like I'm not by any means um, like this sage learned master. Um, I'm trying to bring this up as a point of encouragement, like right. You're doing everything right. Like this isn't, you're not an imposter. Um, well, you're just finding your voice. Yeah. I would also say, give yourself a little more credit too. I've never had a reading with you, but every single time we talk about my chart, I have a pretty potent realization. So that's something. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think like me learning astrology alongside doing things like um, becoming really one with Reiki and learning tarot and just like my, my whole journey these past few years have been really about tapping into my intuition. And for a little while, I thought about astrology as like a separate thing from my intuition and I'm realizing more and more that there's a reason I've been developing both the like felt more like watery earthy pieces of myself in addition to the fiery airy pieces which I, I used to think of astrology as like an air and fire thing because I thought it was about thinking and symbols and growth and transformation but it's also it also has a complete there's like a total necessity for tapping in to your intuition when you're working with astrology too and I definitely feel myself at this point giving consultations right now where it's like yeah, I might have a better air understanding of what's in front of me and this person when we're looking at their chart, but I also have to tap into my water, my north node in Pisces in the fourth house in order to be, I have to like, I have to trust that the way that I see it is, and the way that I'm going to say it is the way that they 
are going to hear it and need to hear it right now and that they're going to take whatever is helpful from it and use merge it with whatever's going on in their head there's like a, it's a trust you know like that's why when people talk about imposter syndrome it doesn't feel right for me like i feel like i've had a lot of people in my life lately telling me you're being an imposter whether it's about a you, you have imposter syndrome whether it's about astrology or like teaching yoga or whatever and i feel like that's not quite it because i don't i feel like mostly ego removed from it i just feel like it's obvious that there's still practice for me there's like a lot still missing which is why i'm started offering readings really cheap because i knew that as soon as i started doing a bunch i was going to get a bunch of information and skill set and practice that i needed and that's totally what's happening um like even just oh yeah one thing i wanted to say too was i've been finding that in some of the readings where i feel less prepared those are often the ones that go better which is for my virgo south node like a, a difficult pill to swallow but it feels true <laughs> Well, uh, if we're going to, you really, um, I remember sitting uh, through Stephen Forrest for the first time. <laughs> yeah. So um, you are naturally drawn to that notion of the nodes uh, being directional, which is great. Um, keep doing it. Number one, people <laughs> love it. But number two, um, like just because I don't do something doesn't mean it's not the right way to do it. Um, right. But speaking of it that way, <clears throat> you know, that theory says that you're most comfortable doing that uh you know dot the i's cross the t's virgo um preparedness route but the direction you should be headed is that piscean really feel the chart really right. express it from the broadest possible uh manner and um you know you have that that moon in uh sagittarius in the first house so the idea that you're able to tap into those jupiterian big themes um, really makes a lot of sense. So I'm encouraging you just to lean into that. Um, if that's what feels right, and that's where your best outcomes are coming from, I would, maybe you should just look at that chart. Um, you know, maybe take a couple notes if there's things you think have to get said, but then set it aside, like let it internalize and then sit down with the client and go. That sounds yeah. like what you're describing to me is more of an intuitive, reading um and there's nothing wrong with that there are people who work better that way. yeah yeah i definitely feel like that's what's being asked of me for sure and like i'm moving towards that i also feel like i'm i know my chart really well and i know some people close to me's charts really well but i still have there's so many aspects and transits still that i have yet to learn that it it still feels like it's an important part of the process for me to look at a chart figure out what i know about it and then do a little bit more digging you know through like a book that i have or something that has been helpful as like a starting point but i yeah i do think like moving away from making a long list of all the things that we need to talk about and towards like for the last couple ones i've been doing things like pulling cards and meditating on it a little bit before and it has been helping and it helps me stay Having less of an agenda helps me stay more present with the person that I'm talking with. And I think sometimes when I have an agenda, I miss important pieces of information that they're giving me that would help lead to the conversations that would be more ripe. Uh, <clears throat> a guy I bring up on the pod a lot, Kelly Lee Phipps, who is a blessed memory. Um, one of the saggiest sages to ever sag used to say, 
I hope someone says that about me someday. Sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> you should uh, pull up some old Kelly videos. You'll, you'll feel okay. the vibe right away. Um, he used to say, um, trust the symbols. You know what the symbols are. Trust mm -hmm. them. The mm -hmm. symbols don't lie. Yeah. That's, that's what comes into my head every time um, I'm in a consultation and we get to a point where, you know, we've, we've gone on a, we've diverted to a topic and I want to pull it back to the chart. I say to myself, trust the symbols. If you say what the symbols are and you have the right birth time, this is going to resonate. Yeah. The symbols don't lie. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That is sage, sage advice. There's something Austin Kopic said uh, a number of years ago now that I think about a lot too. And I, he might change his mind now. I mean, he's studied, studied uh, Ayurvedic or, or Joytish um, mm -hmm. pretty thoroughly for a couple of years. And I, I think that I've noticed some changes in, in some of his output and some of his comments. But he said, pay attention to the planet. And I, I really think that that's true. I, when I think of it, because those are the most symbolically rich, I mean, they're glyphs, um, items we have. And so when I get to, a house and we look at that house's ruler the first thing i try to think of is what's the you know based on that um the essential dignities you know what's what planet rules that house what are the characteristics of that planet as they're applied to that sign um that i've i've just found that endlessly and if i have a moment and i want to meditate or reflect maybe i don't have a good topic um i pick up i pick a planet um, and i try to sink into that planet mm -hmm. uh, I just, I found that endlessly helpful because if you go back to the symbols, what you're really going back to are the planets. Right. Yeah. It's like the more, it's like you really need to remove your ego from it is what I, is what I'm taking away from this conversation. Like you as the astrologer, we as the astrologers are not, we don't, we're not the keepers of the information at all. We're the translators. Right. And like, and the channelers, if you want to talk about the watery side of it, we're just helping the chart. We're helping the person connect with their chart in a way that they already, they already realize the connection more deeply than anyone else ever could. And we're just helping them see and verbalize and hear words and stories and imagine pictures that help them contextualize it. And help them be seen, <clears throat> help them tell their own story. Mm -hmm. uh, and help them understand their story going forward. I, I really think that that is the role of the astrologer. Um, you know, astrology can be used in lots of different ways. Uh, but I think when someone comes for a consultation, what they're looking for is a deeper view into what makes them up. Yeah. Um, and frankly, for self-improvement. Um, I don't think uh, most people seek out a, an astrological con consultation unless they want to be a better version of them. I, I think that's kind of a foundational point to anyone um, reaching out. Yeah. Um, I like that this conversation has sort of turned into like a, a Q&A between, well, at least that's how, where my brain is right now, Q&A between new practicing astrologer and more seasoned practicing astrologer. But a question, and it, it's just, it's, I'm looking back thinking like, obviously this is what we're going to talk about because this is exactly where my brain has been lately. Cause I think I've done something like 10 readings in the last like three weeks. Oh, I, awesome. I did two yesterday and realized that I had three scheduled because mm -hmm. I'm insane. Um, 
So I'll never do that again. And I think one thing I'm learning is that I don't ever want to do a one more, like a, something like a, when you're doing 15 minute readings at, at an event is different, but when it's a chart, when I'm doing like a sit down for real consultation, I don't think I want to do more than one in a day because it's really hard to sit with two charts at a time, you know? Um, but anyways, a question that I have is, do you always incorporate transits? Because I'm finding that those are the richest, most resonant readings that I do when I'm talking about people's transits that have happened recently or are coming soon and helping people contextualize and feel affirmed, like you said, not only in who they are, but in where they are right now in the bigger picture story arc. I'm finding myself really drawn to doing transit readings. But I also realized that that takes more time and more energy and effort on my part. And so my solution in my head right now is that I'll offer natal chart readings and then natal plus transit readings that will be different amounts of time and money. But I'm just finding that the natal chart ones alone, like they just, something about them doesn't feel as good. So what I encourage know. people to do is get uh, you know, if there's someone who really wants to dig in is I will give them a package of two readings at a discount mm -hmm. so that what we do is we go in and we go all the way through their, their natal chart and don't uh, worry as much about transits unless there's something super acute happening that day. Mm -hmm. I, I really want to go through the houses, give them understanding of orient them to their chart, tell them, you know, the story of their incarnation and then um, do kind of a, a six month or a year ahead where we do go back and say, well, this is what happened the last time this happened. You know, you have a natal uh, Venus retrograde. So this is a theme for you every this many years, you know, look back this many years, here's that time period. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then look ahead and say, it's coming up in a month and a half. Like what are some themes that are leading in that direction? I agree with you 100% uh, that, that the transits can be most resonant, but I really feel as though, and again, this is me, um, giving someone access to their natal chart is just one of the number one things that I can do as for, for what I, you know, my abilities and, and, uh, and my, my way of communicating is. And also what I find valuable. So I really just feel so, um, it, it's almost tough for me to do an initial reading where someone has specific questions and just and abbreviate that first chunk. Like, I'm like, oh God, I, really want to give you the whole kit and caboodle yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense i think one thing that i i'm really i'm thanking myself for i offered a bunch of 30 dollars readings which quickly were unsustainable because i was prepping like two to four hours for each one um so i already upped my prices but i'm just i've been really lucky to be in a position where i know a lot of people craving astrology that I have a long list already of people that are signed up for either the $30 readings or I upped it to 55 for natal and 85 for um, natal and transit, which like there's definitely friction there. That feels weird because I still feel like very much a student and I'm practicing, but I've had some friends like both astrologers and people that offer services in the healing arts in other ways that have been like, really like, Kelsey, that's too cheap. What are you doing? And I like, I know, and I'm open to that feedback and I adjusted as soon as it started to feel like too much. But also I just am like, this was the right route for me to go because I was able to like expedite 
this process of learning what, what I want my offerings to be and what is the energy output for me and like finding my voice like you were talking about and the way that I want to go about reading charts and doing consultations like how much faster have I been able to start the process of understanding all of that because I jam-packed a month full of really cheap readings like I don't know maybe that's just the Aries way too the fiery way hundred <laughs> percent ain't got no like in some ways it's not a, the right energetic exchange because I'll spend you know nine hours prepping two charts and make 60 to 100 dollars but in a lot of ways it is because it's it's helping me get to where i want to be a lot faster and just feeling comfortable there um there's no way to really learn how to do natal consultations without doing natal consultations. Right. exactly you can read a thousand autobiographies and go through you know double a charts but it's not the same as sitting in session with someone exactly yeah yeah. Well, we have had an amazing conversation. I've loved every second of it. Somehow, we're inching towards an hour. I am. Nice job. I, us. I can't believe it. I'm really good at talking about myself. <laughs> well, I love talking to you about anything, even, especially yourself. Wow, thanks, um, Astro Dad. Before we get off, though, um, I would like you to tell people where they can find you to dig into some of those bargain basement readings people. <laughs> They're actually held in my beautiful, sunny, finished back porch. So for those that are drawn towards sunlight, or well, I guess if we're on the internet, that's where I'll be. I don't know where you'll be, but I'm holding them in, in person as well. Um, yeah, okay. So you can find me on Instagram at Kelsey Rose Tort. E-L-S-E-Y, Rose like the flower, T-O-R-T. And then that's also my Gmail at gmail.com, Kelsey Rose Tort. You can find out more about InnerSense Healing Arts at InnerSenseHealingArts.org or you can follow us on Instagram at InnerSenseHealingArts. Um, I am on Twitter. Shit, I don't know my Twitter handle. <laughs> I'll put it in the notes for the okay. episode. I think it's either Kelsey Rose Tort or Kelsey Tort. Um, I just, I've been on Twitter for a long time, but I just am getting back into it since Norwak because of Astro Twitter and wanting to stay in touch with people. Um, so I'm, I'm there a little bit. And um, I will have my web, my website is finished, but this summer of retrogrades and eclipses has just made it, I haven't been wanting to release it yet. And then since I started doing readings, uh, I've had obviously like rethought how I want to frame things on my website. So it's almost finished. I'm going to go back, Mercury retrograde stuff. I got to go back and adjust things from the original plan but I, that will be kelseyrosetort.com and that should be up pretty soon so probably within a couple days if not already by the time people hear this amazing well thank you very much uh kelsey for coming Thanks on for having me kip this was fun it was super fun it felt like a reading slash astro coaching session for me so thanks oh <laughs> well you should have been coaching me um i'd like to remind everyone out there that a little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest men. <laughs> <laughs>